0: Hello and welcome to the first ever MMA FanCast, episode one. This is a podcast that's for the fans, by the fans. We are in the studio of Octagon 24-7, and I am here. I am Ryan Middleton. I am the host, and I am here with my fellow co-hosts. First, we have the man, the legend. He is 49 years old. And he is just a beautiful human being. He almost died the other day, but um, let me introduce you to Jim Sahara Mooney. What's up, what's up, what's up? And that's it. Good job, Jim. (laughs) And along with Jim, we also have Dan the Pterodactyl Altieri. I think you're leaving something out. My my name's really Darren.
1: Darren. (laughs) in <laughs> the Pterodactyl Altieri,
0: and and Dan Altieri, this this is a guy here who, Cleveland, Ohio, just a short, a couple weeks ago, was adamant and strongly believed that CM Punk was gonna shock the world. Ooh, True, shock the world. world. So so Dan Altieri has been. Um, actually attended his first uh, live mixed martial arts event um, back in 2010. 10. and as it has been not really a, a much of a fan at all, to be quite honest, and more of a wrestling fan pro wrestling and um, has recently um, started to really get into UFC at least from a um, surface level, uh, perspective. So we believe that, that there is something missing in the podcast world in the, in the MMA podcast world. We believe that there are great podcasts out there, and we um, all appreciate uh, the work that's being done by the journalists in, in this industry, and they do a great job. However, we do not see a fan podcast that is um, for the fans and by the fans. And that's what we seek to be. We we seek to be the fans' voice and to talk about the things that the fans want to talk about, and uh, and that and that's what we we're looking to do. So, uh, Jim, what do you what do you think about that? I, just, um, being a fan myself, I don't
2: hear shows out there where it's fans talking about things that they like. It's just like you said before, um, somebody who's in the media and they're talking from perspective that they are trying to feed us information that really is is for uh hardcore fans they talk in depth about um fighter styles and how they match up i think that's something we may get into on a casual basis but i don't see us going in depth like you know we hear um coming from mma junkie or uh ariel when we hear him talking um i think it's going to be casual things that um they're going to hear that they can easily relate to and it's not going to go over their head and think this is in too deep for them. And, you know, I I think it's, what's going to keep them coming back.
0: Great. And, and Jim, um, you've been a fan of MMA for quite some time. Tell us a little about, a little bit about that.
2: Um, well, I actually started watching
0: years ago when,
2: when it was, there was no weight class and i remember thinking this is crazy i i remember the lead up to it before the first event occurred and they talked about two guys getting into a cage and instantly i thought about the gladiators and you know without the lions coming in behind them that somebody's going to die you know so from that perspective i was interested and i watched with one eye open to, you know to see what what could happen, um, and it wasn't
1: what I had perceived. Um, was it boring? Because I had heard before all the rules. You'd have guys laying on the well, land on the mat for forty minutes. You had back then. It was definitely distinct
2: styles um, of fighting. You had um, Brazilian jiu jitsu versus a boxer, and they would come in. Um, like Gracies would wear their gi um and and i remember um watching hoist uh hoist gracie wearing his gi and the announcer was talking about how he was in a good position he's on his back and that's where he wanted to be and i'm thinking you know if this is a schoolyard fight the the guy that's on the ground and on his back He's in trouble. He's getting beat up. Right. So I didn't understand it then, and I, I saw it from that perspective of not knowing how styles um, were brought together.
1: And, and
0: really at that time, there were no rules. Um, eye gouges, groin kicks, all legal? Eye gouging, fish hooking, groin. those were illegal, but groin punches were plenty legal. Um, were they wearing a cup? I would assume. Um, I would think that that was a. I think that was an option.
1: Time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a good option. And 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 actually, you know, you as a, as opposed to me, Jim, I was in high school when all this was getting started, and you were in your fifties. Um, <laughs> Thank the, you. The um, you know, I I remember hearing about this fighting league, or you know, seeing a commercial and and really being really intrigued with it. And um, it was actually one of the first couple uh, UFC pay-per-views. It was one, two, or three, somewhere somewhere in there, that w- my friends and I ordered them. And my friends weren't actually um, real interested in it, but I just couldn't get enough. I just, I, I craved it, and I, I just loved it. And I remember thinking, like, wow, this is like, it got me going, it got me started, and it still does to this day. But it was a different sport then. It was a, it was more of a spectacle then. Right, right, yeah. Um, as opposed to it is, is now where it's regulated. And that's really where the explosion with MMA came about. And so we'll, we'll have plenty of time to, to talk about all that good stuff. But we want to get on to what um, everyone is so excited about, and that is... MMA has finally been regulated in the state of New York, which means for the first time in MMA history, we're going to have a UFC card at Madison Square Garden, the fight capital of the world. And this excites so many people on so many levels. I'm actually literally in goosebumps right now just talking about that. So the UFC had a press conference just a couple days ago. And they announced the 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 official card, the the main event, and um, yeah, this this is one of the the best. I, I don't know. I think it's the best card in the history of MMA. As a casual fan, that's what I've read. Yep, and and Jim, would you would you disagree with that?
1: One hundred percent.
2: I mean, Chris Chris Weidman making his return since what was it uh, December of last year. So, you know, we're looking at what's going to be almost a year layoff for him after, you know, that horrific loss to, um, you know, to, to lose his title. Woodley, um, I mean, top to bottom, it's it's a great great fight. Uh, Stevie, the wonder boy, um, who I'm not a fan of, um, going up against uh, Ty Woodley. Um, obviously, the draw for everybody is... The McGregor fight. Absolutely. Um, which I'm, I'm a huge, being an Irishman. I don't know if you guys can tell that I'm Irish. Yeah, we, we might have um, noticed that. I'm six foot four, well built.
0: <laughs> and
2: for those of you who can't see me, um, which is
0: everyone but the two of us.
1: Yeah, man, you should see this guy's six pack. That's right. That's right. Now it's hidden behind a keg, but there's a six-pack in there somewhere. But Conor McGregor
2: is—he's um, probably one of my favorite athletes across the board. It doesn't matter what sport, um, but he's—he's he's a huge draw. Just listening to his uh, the press conference and
0: his the following that he had there was crazy. It was. And and which which leads me to also want to point out. Something about this podcast being our first podcast. Want to let you all know that this is a podcast that you can be confident having in playing in the car with your kids. We are all family men. There are no explicit lyrics. You will uh, explicit language. You will not have to worry about that. Um, That is something that I also felt was was missing. was, Was something that you could watch, listen to, a podcast you could listen to for MMA with your kids in the car. I have three young boys. We all have young children, and that was a, a struggle for me. So dads, and if there's any moms out there that are that are digging this show, I know my wife will be, you can have your kids in the car and listen to the show. But, but back to that. Conor McGregor at the press conference, and, 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 He's the best. He's best smack talker. In he, all of that. The guy
1: is genius. Probably and even in, even in pro- professional wrestling. He's probably the best promo guy right now, as far as draws, as far as how he talks, his image. I mean, he's always looking sharp. He's absolutely.
0: Mad. He is a marketing genius. The guy puts on a show everywhere he goes. He is the center of attention without... I think he does it fairly effortlessly. I think that's the, the, the good thing about him. Now, Chael Sonnen was a little bit of the same way, but Chael seemed a little more effort. It seemed like he had to... Um, he had lines ready. He, and, and Connor might be the same way, but he pulls it off as smooth as anyone I've ever seen. But Chael
1: also got beat. Well... So Conor McGregor, he's who he's he's been beaten by Nate Diaz. Well, he's lost 3 times. But, okay, so he's lost 3 times. So Nate Diaz, again, casual fan, Nate Diaz was the first time that I saw him lose and that was because he bumped up in weight class just to take a fight. So there's a man right there. Well, when,
0: when else did he lose? That's not necessarily true. What's the truth? So so he had a So when you take a look at Conor McGregor and and I would say that Conor McGregor is awesome, and he is a great um, example of someone who's who will go in there and fight against anyone. But when you take a look at it, I mean, Nate, Nate Diaz wasn't training. Nate Diaz was a week and a half out from a fight. He's not training for fighting. I mean, the guy's doing marathons and, and triathlons and things like that, but he's not training for a fight, so he's not really in shape. That was the reason that the fight was at 170. It was because he's not, he's not going to make weight. He's not going to get down. And, and if he can, he would spend that whole 10 days working on a weight cut instead of getting a little bit of training in anyway. So that's the Aren't reason. are these guys training in between though? Casually training, but there's a whole difference between a fight camp, which is typically, you know, at, at your higher levels, you're going to go Three days, an eight, or... eight, eight week camp um, where you're, you're training vigor- vigorously, and um, most guys like to have an eight week camp. Some guys have even think they're overtrained at that at that length, um, and some guys might have a ten week camp. But yeah. ultimately, I think on average you're looking at about an eight week camp. So, um, so Diaz wasn't wasn't training necessarily to fight. Took the fight on short notice. And that's where the fight fell at 170. Now, the rematch, Conor McGregor had lost at 170, went in on the rematch, be, not wanting to change the circumstances that he had lost under, wanted to have the rematch at the same weight to, pr- to try to prove himself, right? Which he ultimately did. And as we all know, that was one of the... Biggest money making fights. So that's got to
1: be. So the first one you figure was when Forrest Griffin fought Stefan Bonner. Stefan Bonner. Okay, so that's what got a lot of people in, right? Well, I mean, that's
0: so to the, the ultimate fighter, mm-hmm. MMA had gotten regulated, but they still weren't getting people. There wasn't a way to capture people. So they ultimately ended up deciding on from a co- different ideas that were thrown out there a reality show um, where fighters fight to be, on, to be in the UFC. And so at the end of that season, Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin were the two finalists that met on, on live Spike TV, and it got viewers. It was on right after Monday Night Raw. So it gets a bunch of viewers. These viewers see amazing, crazy, awesome fight, and people get hooked back in the UFC. Right. So now you've
1: got that. And then take that. So that was 2005, 2006? Mm. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Okay. So somewhere, somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle there. We'll say 2005. So fast forward that 11 years or so. And now we have Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor, fight number two. It has all of the hype. It's got all of the pay-per-view buys. And it delivers. Five rounds. Mm. It was five rounds, right? It was. And it delivered all five rounds. Uh, Some people were happy with the outcome. I was. (laughs) Ryan Middleton was not. (laughs) He thought the the decision should have gone to Nate. But I I, I felt, as a casual fan, I want to see my guy win and build up a win streak because that adds to the aura of, of his character, his personality. And so that, for me, I thought, that brought in a whole new group of fans. We, It's not proven. That's my thought, though, is that, that, that it hit another level with that fight. But we shall see.
0: I mean, in order for it to bring in new fans, the draw for new fans had to be there in the first place. So Conor McGregor is bringing in a bunch of new... a bunch of fans Absolutely. anyway. So every casual fan that might might watch a John Jones fight, that might watch uh, a George St. Pierre fight, that might watch a Nate Diaz fight. They're all watching Conor fights. Every every casual fan that picks and chooses, Conor's a pick. They're all watching that fight. Correct. Or any Conor fight for that matter. Who's not going to watch a Conor fight? Really? I mean, so the draw that Conor is is so unique and so it's disproportionate there's no one that's even close. I mean, you could say Ronda Rousey and and Ronda Rousey is is a draw for a whole different set of reasons. Um but she has um, a lot of, you know, she she does
1: movies, she's been on WrestleMania and and I will say this, I don't even think WrestleMania had as many buys as a Conor McGregor fight. Would have to look that up, but I don't I I think I think they actually outdraw WrestleMania, which
0: that's a pretty big deal, and this is a guy that's fighting three, four times a year, Conor McGregor. Yeah, which is not the normal for. The, <laughs> but when the, you're making that kind of money, you well, got to put him out there. Well, I mean, he's a fighting champion, and and that's the, and that's the difference um, between Conor and a lot of the other guys, and a lot. Uh, you know, if someone's going to view him as a company man, well, if he's making fifteen million dollars a fight, which hmm. He's probably in that He's got to be. If he's not, he's underpaid.
2: Well, I just saw um, something today, and actually this, I believe, came out uh, a few weeks ago, that McGregor is in the top 100 for professional athletes um, who are going to finish out this year making the most money. And based on what they project at 205, he's going to end up with around right like right now he's at like 25 and change and at the end of the year he should hit 40 maybe a little more than 40 million he for should, he
1: should make more than that he's think about how much how many eyeballs he's gotten think about how much money has been generated from pay-per-views from the gate i mean he's under whatever it is i think he's underpaid
2: his take so far uh, for endorsements, is I shouldn't say only because I mean it's it's a lot of money. But his take on endorsements has been four million. The rest of that, twenty one million or whatever it is, has has come from his fights.
1: And keep in mind that's disclosed too. I mean I don't think it's like you know like in the NFL there's a minimum salary, and you know when contract negotiations happen and they're finalized, they're released. But we don't know how much Nike is paying. Well, actually maybe we do. I know when LeBron James came out they said he was making ninety million before he ever touched the basketball. So maybe they published that stuff. But I gotta I think, think
0: it, it's the difference between if you're a public company or a private company. I think public companies have uh you know
1: But I don't even, I don't think you know uh WWE's a publicly traded company and I don't think they release anything like that.
0: Well, I think if you dig enough, I think you can find out. I, I don't know per but, per
1: superstar. I don't know that you, you could tell. I think you yeah. I think what you could see from a balance sheet is how much they pay talent in general. Which I got to tell you that you know between UFC and WWE, especially actually I will say this for UFC, they the reason why they sold for four billion dollars is because the fighters probably don't get paid as much as they should. Because if they were getting paid for for how much they're drawing. Um, then that five hundred thousand dollars that CM Punk got was too little. And again, that's disclosed though, so we don't we don't really. I think that's one thing. Even as a casual fan, I, I don't buy what they're disclosing is what they're actually paying. They've got to be making more than they, that.
0: They of, I mean, most fighters. Your mid, you know, your lower level guys are going to be making what is disclosed. They're not. You know, they're not your, making your, any more first, than that. Yeah. but
1: the lo- the the locker room bonus
0: some air Correct. quoting and, here and there's but so you know Dana White is comes from the boxing um, industry and knows the corruption that goes on there and has managed fighters actually that's how he got started in the UFC by managing um, fighters and so he's no dummy and I think he say what you want whether fighters are underpaid or not that's not for ultimately us to decide, but, um, we can certainly have an opinion. Well, we can have an opinion, but ultimately I think that, that the, um, ultimate goal, um, for them as a business is to make money. And so I think that, I don't know. I I, I think that people that, um, want to say oh they're 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 not paid enough or they're paid too much ultimately they're going to work that, that that out themselves and they're going to have to there could be a fighters union on the way in the near future and i think that could be good or bad for the sport i wonder
1: if that would change wrestling though if they unionized if that would spark anything in wrestling i don't know I will tell you this though that some of the guys that are on the bottom of the card, you're right, they probably are getting what's disclosed, and I don't know that they're worth much more than that. I mean, I do see a big difference in somebody getting, you know, a couple thousand dollars reebok sponsorship and maybe, you know, ten or fifteen thousand dollars for a fight. They do get uh, things that I would
2: call sideline endorsements. Yeah, they got to like be getting apparel, something. sure. Um,
1: yeah, merchandising you know,
2: is yeah merchandising.
1: But they don't merchandise nearly as much as WWE does.
2: No. No, UFC is still in it. I mean, even though we're, we're about to go into UFC 204, we're talking about 205 now, but it's still in its infancy. As Absolutely. far as um, popularity goes, it's a huge rush to um, probably from 100 to where we are now. I'd say the fan base has increased tremendously probably from 50 to 100 it may have doubled i don't know you know if there's any way to to get numbers but there's there's so much more to come and you know like ryan was saying i don't know what the what the union would do but money wise um yeah i I don't know uh what's going on with the endorsements um if your air quotes I'm using, um, if there are. I don't know anything about that, the the locker room uh, bonuses.
1: Well, I mean, you don't know about it because they don't disclose
0: right. it. Right. Well, ultimately, for me, that's for that's – for, I want to be a fan and just enjoy it. I don't want to worry about locker room bonuses or disclosed or any of that stuff. Listen, I never heard – I never hear champions complaining – that they're not making enough money. I don't hear Conor McGregor saying I'm not making enough money. He hasn't. I thought he said no. he did. I thought he. He said, said he, he's worth four point two billion. But I mean, he's not. He's not saying. Oh, you know. Dana White said he's he's great to negotiate with. So I I don't. Yeah. When guys draw money, they get paid. Yes. When That's guys what, draw, I, I'm not necessarily a fan of the union. I I, I want to see the guys
1: at the top like Conor McGregor get, you know. Eighty percent of the money, like mm-hmm. the old eighty twenty rule, right? Because, as far as I'm concerned, I could see, I could see just the Conor McGregor fight, no undercard, and to me, it's still worth the price of admission.
2: Right. Well, we go back to what I would consider boxing's heyday, um, and you had Tyson.
1: Tyson, absolutely.
2: You know, you had you know Chip Tam versus Salami on the undercard. <laughs> And nobody cared about that. They just wanted to see Tyson and they wanted to see how quick. Yeah, I love salami too. I'm sure you do. Um, I like fried salami, by the way. Um, But nobody nobody cared what was happening on the undercard. It was all about that main attraction. Absolutely. And for the UFC now, um, with what I would call to be a, a big blow. To uh to UFC's marketing um, a little while ago, and that was when Rousey went down and lost the belt. McGregor was right there to to carry the load, and it wasn't like he said, "Hey, give it to me," or he asked. He that's just how he is. That's his personality, and people want to see him, and if he can back up what he says.
1: Well, and that's the difference between Conor McGregor and anybody else that can talk. Is can they back it up? Conor McGregor clearly can. And I think that's what adds to you know his smack talk is that he talks smack and he backs it up.
0: So one of the things that I think when I think about Conor McGregor and I think about his his rise to the top and how he how he's catapulted up to the top you got to realize he went through opponent after opponent. He was predicting first-round knockouts, and they were happening, and the competition got tougher, and he predicted it, and it happened. Then he got up to Aldo, and that was where the the, 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 the true test came, right? 13 and so, seconds. And so oh. he beats Aldo in 13 seconds. And then so that takes us to Ho- Jose Aldo. I want to talk a little bit about this. I thought it was Jose. It is Jose, but, you know. We're, we're casual here, right? We want to make the casual fan more comfortable. But it is pronounced Jose Aldo. So Aldo wants... Um, he won the interim belt. He loses to Conor McGregor in 13 seconds. Fights Frankie Edgar for an interim championship because McGregor's fighting at 170 against Nate Diaz and all that. So Aldo wins uh, uh, the inter- interim belt and wants to have that shot against uh, Conor McGregor. McGregor has his sights on bigger, more powerful fights. And listen, I more power to him. The guy is going out. He's fighting against top-level competition, challenging himself, looking to break records. The, The things he has done is unheard of, unparalleled. So, I say more power to him. So, we take a look at Jose Aldo. He is livid. He has told the UFC he wants cut. He wants out of his contract. He he is very angry. This is the guy that lost in 13 seconds, mind you. So, does Jose Aldo have a good point here? Should he be as upset as he is? And should he be reacting the way he's reacting?
1: Well, he can feel any way he wants about it. But at the end of the day, what's in it for Conor McGregor? What's in it
2: for
0: Dana White? It's true. So, for me, I'm like, I don't really have an interest in that rematch. I don't think Aldo has done enough to deserve a rematch. So, take a look at from Conor McGregor's perspective, right? This is a guy, Jose Aldo, who has dropped out of... Innumerable fights. I, I don't know the exact number. We could probably f- look it up here, but he's dropped out of many championship fights over the over the course of his his run. Um, Conor McGregor has had guys drop out on fights against him, including Jose Aldo. So that's money out of his pocket. He. So I think that the 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 opportunity to fight Jose Aldo for Conor McGregor. Is not attractive in any way. He's I mean, I would guy... still watch. I would still watch any Conor McGregor Correct. fight. But, but if you're Conor McGregor, why not try to win? Be the first guy to win simultaneous belts in the UFC. Why not use the leverage that you have generated for yourself to do things that are amazing? And I just see that Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo fight as unattractive there's nothing to really gain you already beat the guy in 13 seconds it's going to take longer so it's going to be less impressive regardless there's just nothing to gain there
2: um that first fight and i i don't know if i should call it the first fight you know because I don't, we don't know if there's going to be a second one i think there will be eventually and i think aldo right now is trying to be that uh squeaky wheel getting the grease i think eventually Dana White is gonna have to somebody's gonna have to um, hold his feet to the fire because leading up to 205, he kept saying um, that McGregor, you know, has got to go back and defend his title in the featherweight division, and um, and he was telling Aldo that the fight was coming back to him and he would get a chance at the belt, or
0: that he would strip him of the belt.
2: Right, and then here we are. Um, you know, a couple of days out from the press conference, it's announced that McGregor is fighting Alvarez and Aldo is talking about retiring now. I think eventually um, he's going to get his shot again, just my opinion. But the interest for me in that first fight, uh, what was it, 194? Um, it was McGregor. It wasn't to see Aldo. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. I wanted to see McGregor. Sure. So I, I think Dana Dana White is going to ride this wave, this McGregor wave, and see where it takes the UFC. And if if the fans want to see him fight um, Aldo again, it's going to happen. I think it will. I just don't know what the time frame is. There's, yeah. there's
1: a lot of good matchups, though. I mean, you can do the, the third fight with Nate Diaz, which I, I would probably hold off on a while to do that, because especially if Nate's going to have to cut weight to make that fight. And I think you need distance, you need time. Absolutely, yeah. I think that is kind of more of the, I could see that. Well, they're not
0: they're not fighting that trilogy fight at anything but 155. Right. Yeah. And
1: I don't think they're going to do it for a while. I think kind of like, if look at the uh, the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight and how that was, you know, they talked about it for a long time, right? Kind of build making. it, build it. I don't think that it'll be that long. But I, I definitely think, I mean, okay, so they've each won one. And now they've got a drop down and that, that probably favors McGregor. I mean, McGregor's on a huge streak. So I mean you know, Diaz is probably gonna get a nice payday out of it, but I don't know that anybody's expecting him to, to beat him at that weight. I'm not. I'm expecting McGregor so so if if that's a fight that, you know, we're not necessarily interested in seeing the outcome, it's just a matchup, I hold off that fight for another year or two or maybe longer. Maybe maybe that would be a good fo- a rebound fight for McGregor if he does lose
0: to maybe make that his next one. Hopefully he doesn't, but well, I just don't know what 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 interests Diaz right now other than McGregor fights <laughs> because I mean the guy was making $15,000 a fight before Is that, that what he was making? I mean, it wasn't he what? was being severely underpaid. I don't know what that was. The disclosed amount, I, and that maybe 15's low. It was low. If Mickey Gall got 30, I'm thinking ATS probably got more than that. Yeah, well, he got 15 more for uh, I think 15 and 15. Sh-
2: no, I thought he got 30 and 15. Oh, I don't know. for the McGregor fight, the first one. No, no, we're talking about uh, Gall. Were you mentioning Mickey Gall?
1: Oh, uh, no, Mickey Gall, I think, got 30. I thought it was 30
2: and oh, 15. No,
0: oh, no, no, maybe it was 15 and 15. So speaking of Mickey Gull, um, turns our attention a little bit to uh, you know there's a there's a whole um, bunch of fighters that that have this this mentality that if they're near the top of the rankings that that, that is that's what, what what the pay scale should be associated with and and so, what, what, what kind of happened was when CM Punk fought in the UFC, there was a bunch of fighters. It wasn't until after the fight that it was disclosed what CM Punk was paid. His disclosed pay was a half a million dollars, $500,000. So there's a bunch of, of, uh, of fighters who were very angry about that amount because they've never seen anything like that, and they're much better fighters than him. And it just got me to thinking, these fighters, are they seeing the bigger picture? No. Not at all. Talk to me about that.
2: Um, Initially, when I heard about the uh, CM Punk's uh, take-home for that, I thought it didn't seem fair. But um, in in the big picture, it... It absolutely was. That that fight card... That card... Um, for the hardcore MMA fan... Um, the main event... Main card was... Was an awesome card. We were there to witness it. Um, and we saw some... Awesome fights. Um, you know... But so many people... Wanted to see... What... CM Punk was going to do. And that alone... Was... You know... True eyeballs. It, absolutely. He. I. I. I think I read somewhere where, um, just because of him, they estimate that he brought in anywhere from like 125 to 250 thousand pay per views just because of him. So absolutely. that and,
0: and that equates the figures I saw as far as monetary were 3.5 to 6.5 million dollars.
1: Right. And Mickey Gall could have made nothing on that fight, and he still would have came out ahead because. Nobody would know Mickey Gall right now as much
0: as they do if it weren't for that fight. No, if it weren't for CM Punk. Right, I mean, right, right. Ultimately. So so my rant, my my um take on this is very simple. Fighters need to start realizing instead of whining and complaining and all of these things about someone who's bringing eyeballs And bringing opportunity and bringing wallets and paychecks to you. And it's not just a freak show. Exactly. You need to capitalize, spend time making yourself more marketable, spend time making yourself, making people care about you. One of the things that um, as anyone who is a fan or a big fan of pro wrestling, which um, Dan is, and I grew up a big wrestling fan and kind of with my kids growing up, Kind of got back into it a little bit. The best thing you can do is to be loved or hated. The worst thing you can do is for people to feel indifferent about you. And so if you're a fighter and the fans are indifferent to you personally, you might be be a decent fighter, ground and pound, you know. Chael Sonnen was that. Chael Sonnen is... A picture of a boring fighter. But guess what? He made himself marketable. And I don't think that the some of these fighters are putting two and two together. That this is a business. And when you draw people in, you put butts in seats, you put pay-per-view numbers up, you get compensated for that. It's not always about whether you win or lose. You can win, 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 and not be marketable. And you're not going to get the Conor McGregor paychecks. You're yeah. not going to get hugely compensated when you're
1: not a draw. I think that's the difference too so, so professional wrestling is sports entertainment UFC is a sport but there's definitely an entertainment aspect to it. That's why you don't see Jose Aldo fighting Conor McGregor. You see Conor McGregor fighting Eddie Alvarez. Why is that? Well, because it's entertainment and the goal of any business is to make money And if you're in the fight business, by default, you're also in the entertainment business. Now, I'm not talking about entertainment in the sense that any of it is fixed. I'm not talking about in the sense that a fighter has to change their personality and everybody has to be like Chael. Everybody has to have this, you know, Conor McGregor over the top personality. But whoever they are, if they can tap into, you know, what's different about them, what's unique about them, turn up the volume on it. That's always what's been the most successful formula to create a superstar uh, in in wrestling terms, casual fan. And so a lot of these UFC guys need to tap into that and they need to figure out how to market themselves without, you know, talking a bunch of smack and then saying after the fight, oh, well, I did it. to, You know, we got to sell a fight. We got to hype a fight. no. That, that in, in the wrestling business, that's called kayfabe. You know, you don't share that stuff. I, I don't, if I see something and I, I see John Jones and Daniel Cormier getting a fight, uh, getting into a fight on the, on, on the stage, even if that were planned out, which it wasn't, even if it were, as a fan watching, I don't want to know about that. Um, I, I just want to see it. I, I, that sells a fight to me because it's real. So be who you are. Turn up the volume and, and that's what's gonna make you more money and ultimately grow the sport.
2: Yeah, I um I agree with that. I, I I don't think that the fighters should be mad. It doesn't make sense to be mad at something that is gonna help to put money in your pocket ultimately. That's I, I know they may be um, hardcore athletes who dig what they're doing and it's become a way of life for them but th- it's not like they're doing it just for fun this is to put bread on the table for these guys
0: and and I don't think they're re- the, the worst part is I don't think they're recognizing the opportunity that's being placed in front of them instead they're looking with jealous eyes at someone making more money well, and you got to move past that you got to move past that
1: and they're looking at the the pure sports aspect of it and the reality is is that you know, even doesn't matter what sport you're in. Okay, so if you can get the win, great. But there's also a lot of money in that for a sports team. When when you're an individual fighter and it is just you, you've either got to be the best, or you've got to be able to entertain. In my opinion, because if you're if you're undefeated, okay, that's marketable. You could have no personality, and if you are undefeated and you're running through everybody it doesn't matter but as soon as you get a couple losses if you if you're not if you're not dominating everybody in sight then what makes why, why should i watch you why should i what what is it that i'm going to invest in you that's going to have me interested if if i don't see somebody either undefeated or somebody over the top again you know i've said this like 20 times now but as a casual fan i need to see something intriguing i need to see something different and I, you know, sometimes I see it, Con- Conor McGregor. Sometimes I don't. There's a lot of, there's just a lot of, you know, bland guys that I, I'm just
0: not as emotionally invested into. Okay. Yeah, and, and you can always see more of this, of this type of conversation, of this type of, of of dialect, at the Facebook page Octagon 24/7. That's where where you can find us. We, you can message us there. We can, you can talk directly to us. That's Octagon 24/7's Facebook page. You can find us there. Um, so we're we're talking about the opportunity that exists from CM Punk or or somebody else um, kind of um, coming into MMA, whether it's uh, in a fight aspect or even in um, announcers or anything like that the opportunity that exists and and there's some crossover appeal there's some um you know someone who might have an interest but hasn't really been exposed a lot to it we had Brock Lesnar come in i mean even before that we had Ken Shamrock who went from who went from uh, UFC to WWE back to the UFC and and we we've had guys kind of do both and we're, we're getting a little bit of that now with with CM Punk we, we had Lesnar at, at UFC 200 come back um, and now we have a, another guy named named Ryback who who is, was a big name in the in the in WWE for a while and now he's talking about potentially uh, signing with Bellator. So let's talk a little bit about especially with you Dan, about that crossover appeal—that's what brought you into into MMA, and and your interest into MMA um, kind of got kickstarted through CM Punk and and that kind of thing. So, so how how do you feel about um, you know just the appeal that exists for that crossover fan?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can tell you in in 2000. When did Lesnar come in? 2008, 2009. Originally, yeah, um, yeah, around okay, there. Okay, somewhere around there, and I remember thinking. Huh? You know this this UFC thing? Okay, Lesnar's coming into it. That's interesting, um, but it didn't quite pique my interest. It did, but I, I maybe at the time I didn't have a you know I didn't know people that were watching it, so I, I wasn't as into it. And but but so spe- how did
2: you follow it though?
1: I, I didn't really. In fact, even from the first time I saw it, which was probably in the mid '90s, I was such a you know I was such a professional wrestling fan. I was probably in my early teen years. I couldn't appreciate it. I remember you know I'm around my cousins, a couple years older than me, I went to probably some sort of sleepover, and uh, you know watching old shows and watching a pay per view that night. Couldn't get into it. Fast forward to 2009 or 2008. Brock Lesnar's into it and. It at least gets on my radar, so that in 2010, show comes to Pittsburgh, uh, checked into it, and then by that time, I don't, even, I don't, I don't think I ever saw a Lesnar fight live. So you've you've got somebody like that who you know division two uh, or division one athlete. He was wasn't he the NCAA champ? He right? was an NCAA in wrestling. Champ. So he he has a background. He's obviously an athlete. Didn't quite make it in the NFL, but you know just to be. Just to be considered for a a squad, I think, is, a you know... One of the final
0: cuts for the Vikings, yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't even think he really took it serious. I think it was...
1: Well, he admitted to lack of skill. He said he just got into fights out there because he just didn't have the same skill level as they did. But but he's an athlete. And so it, it makes sense for somebody who was a former athlete and has some sort of discipline to be able to round out their game and learn some other ones to be able to compete in the octagon. But then, now that you know, uh, obviously, I, I as a wrestling fan, I always thought, okay, CM Punk, here's this guy that's he's disciplined, he's dedicated, he was the best in, in the world, and and you know, in, in wrestling, surely if he gets two years, he's going to be able to take on uh, somebody that hasn't had a lot of fights, and at worst case, uh, he's going to make it really competitive, and he's going to get himself another fight. I did not see that coming. I did not. I, you guys did. To your credit, you said he's going to get slaughtered, and I said no, you guys are going to be <laughs> shocked. He's going to shock the world. He's going to surprise everybody. I even told Mickey because all it, that. Because
0: it fit your storyline. Absolutely. Which is on the side of the right. reality of MMA. Right.
1: So, so now so we went from Brock Lesnar to CM Punk, and now we've got Ryback, who's potentially interested. If Ryback watched that fight, and I'm sure he did... Hopefully he doesn't entertain the thought of going into the octagon. I don't know that he has any type of a combat background. None, none at all. Okay, no, he
2: was a, a base uh, more of a baseball player than anything. I think he went to college. Um, what I read up on him is he uh, he I don't know if he got a scholarship, but he played, um, broke his leg, missed two seasons because of it, and that was really the extent of his athletic career and, and here's amateur
1: the, or professional. And here's the difference though. CM Punk, he wants to do this. When it comes to to Bellator negotiating with Ryback, they said, you know, it's a little bit different because it's coming down to money. Money should not be your motivation. If he left a million and a half over three years at WWE and he's going to try to get similar to that money or who knows what it would be with with you know the maybe the independent shows that he could do. That is not a wise move. If you're not doing that because you love it, then you really shouldn't be in it because it takes years to match. I mean, we've seen now look, if you take CM Punk off the table and then and then you know you're looking at Ryback trying to become the next Brock Lesnar, well, there's there's at least now it's like a question mark, can he do it? Well, we've I, answered that question now. Well
0: he can't. So, there that that's a different. I feel like that's a different scenario. So, UFC is a big, big difference from Bellator, heavyweight division is a big difference from 170. There are major differences there that I think aren't apples to apples. I do feel like Ryback could walk into Bellator and fare better than CM Punk, CM Punk did. There's just a different totally different thing. You're not coming at the highest level. You're not coming in the most competitive division. It's it's just a different thing. However, that being said, he's gonna get slaughtered. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. He might be bigger or stronger. What about Dave? But he's Batista, not gonna though? be as talented fighting as the guys he's gonna be going against. I don't think Dave Batista had a combat background. I think he won his fight well he also started at a very low level he didn't even start at a Bellator level so when you're talking about starting at such a high level with UFC the guys that are in the UFC I mean Mickey gall was gonna be in the UFC at some point maybe he got the he got the fast track but the kids got some serious talent as a matter of fact Dan, I remember you kind of uh you know, Almost getting your butt kicked by him. To be quite <laughs> know, and if you go accurate. to
2: our Facebook page, octagon24.7 forward slash 24 forward slash 7, you'll see a picture there of Mickey Gall's fist inches, inches away from Dan's face. And it's a legitimate, I don't want to say that he really came in to hurt him, but we had some conversations with, with Mickey, with uh, with his mother. Um, it, we got to know her a little bit, spend some time with both of them, and um, the picture is legitimate. He he definitely sought you out and wanted to make sure that you knew who Mickey Gall
1: was that night. Well, I absolutely did, especially <laughs> watching him decimate CM Punk. I <laughs> I, I knew his name, and so did everybody else in the arena.
0: So let, let's talk a little bit about that. That's a perfect segue. Um, we're going to – so the, the all three of us, we took a road trip. We, we, we are broadcasting from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we have never had a pay-per-view in Pittsburgh. Dana White, we'd love to have that. As a fan, we'd love to, for you to come here. Uh, and bring a pay per view to Pittsburgh. But anyway, um, no more pleading for Dana, who we met by the way. We travel to Cleveland. Wait, I, we did we all? Well, did we all j- meet? Dana? Well, well, we'll get into we that. We all
2: met Dana.
0: So I remember talking to him. I just we drive to Cleveland for uh, UFC 203. Um. You know, I had a lot of uh, knowledge about like kind of the events that lead up to a pay-per-view event, um, any event, but really more events that, that pay that come with a pay-per-view. So I told the guys once we decided to get tickets, hey, we gotta um, go up early. We gotta plan to go up there earlier in the week, as early as possible. And I got some, you know, feedback from them. Like, oh, you know, what? why do we have to go up so? I early? I thought, why do
1: I've to, why why do I, I got to take off two days of work when the when the fight's on Saturday?
2: Yeah, and the first plan, um, I remember you mentioning that, Ryan. But the first thing you said is maybe we'll go up early Thursday, and catch the Indians game because it was an afternoon game. I think it was like a a twelve oh five or twelve thirty five start. Good thing we didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think. Had that been part of the plan, when we got there, that all would have fell, fallen by the wayside because of what we ran into. So we, dr- what we
1: What did we run into on Thursday?
2: Well, it's not what we ran into, but the knowledge that we had well, the night before. Just, well,
0: let's just stop making this <clears throat> cryptic for our viewers or for our listeners. So we found out the night before by watching... Uh, Dan was up watching UFC Embedded. Um, in preparation for our trip, he, he's watching, he, he sends a text to us saying, are we staying at the Wyndham? And I woke up that morning cause I was asleep when he texted and I knew immediately that he must've been watching embedded and that the, that the UFC were staying at the Wyndham. So we get there and within, um, we didn't really see much Thursday. We get there at like around noon and we go to the uh, press conference and we run into Mickey Gall's mom, mom and, his aunt. and his aunt. And we start talking to them. And that's our first real experience with, with um, meeting somebody and talking with them at the, uh, at the press conference. So the press conference ends and we go, we head back to the, uh, to the hotel. And from that moment on... Um, we were really hanging out with many of the fighters uh, from the UFC. They were staying in the same hotel. They are hanging out in the lobby, just kind of chilling. And we were just kind of chilling there, too. Kind of like, wow, this is pretty incredible. Do you remember who we saw on the way back that first day
2: on our way back to the hotel?
0: It, um, I, oh, it was um, uh, uh, Travis, Travis Brown. Travis Brown, yep. yeah. That's right.
2: Nobody, I mean, you know, I mean, there's Mr. Rousey. people on the streets. Mr. But he's Rousey, just, he's just walking like he's nobody, and you know, to everybody there, all the
0: people and you know, walking around, he basically was. Yeah, and and so as a as fans, as three fans that were going up there, we are like jaw drop. We're like hanging out with Alistair Overeem and hanging out with Travis Brown and. And Mickey Gull and and we did run into CM Punk. Uh, we ate breakfast next to him, um, although we didn't really talk to him. We didn't bother him at all. Um, him and uh, AJ Lee were were eating breakfast, and but he's been known to be a little crabby. So we kind of gave him his space. Well, and he was cutting. Yeah. He was, well, actually, well, that he was, just was his finished. first meal. That yep. was his, so he was pro- he actually probably would have been in a pretty good mood because he just well finally once got he, to he eat. ate because it, when we first went in there he he hadn't eaten yet. So he was probably max grumpy until he ate. Until he ate, yep. So we just absolutely had an amazing weekend. Um, we were one of the things we were talking about was oh man, I you know who I'd love to run into is Dana White, and and we're walking. There's a um, so from the Wyndham we can, we walk back and forth. There's maybe three quarters of a mile to the to the to the arena. And we, we walked uh, the way we walked, and the most logical way to walk. We kind of walk down this this alleyway that used to be an actual road, but was kind of closed off, and there was outdoor seating for the for the restaurants and bars along that along that stretch. And we're walking down at one point, and and that was just me and you, Dan, wasn't I it? I think so. No, yeah, there I was remember. a third person
2: there. It's that you two were so st- starstruck, like you were, you know. 13-year-old girl's about to meet Ricky Schroeder, if you guys oh, even Ricky remember rundown. who that is. Ricky Schroeder. know the younger people, the uh, millennials. Um, How about Justin Timberlake? Justin Timberlake, yeah.
0: Well, I, the millennials are going to be like Justin Bieber. Oh, good point,
1: good point. Yeah. Go Justin's- with the Biebs, yeah.
0: <laughs> Always good to bring up Justin Bieber's name on any podcast. So Justin Bieber, if you're out there listening, which you're you're an MMA who fan, who is a UFC fan. yeah, he actually hates Nick hated on Nick Diaz. Uh, he was tweeting hating on him after he after he beat Conor. So um, so we have we're and and I'm sure we're going to continue to share uh, plenty of stories about UFC two hundred three and that experience. And ultimately, that's what spawned us to do what we're doing now, which is being the voice of the fans, being um, uh, talking about the things the fans th- that we're interested in, that we're intrigued by, that um, we're not spending a lot of time talking about undercards of fights. And we will be broadcasting to you each and every week. Um, you can find us anytime during the week. On our Facebook page, and we will have a website up. That that's been an ongoing discussion between the three of us about a website. I'm predicting that we will have a website sometime in the next uh, couple decades. It will happen in the next couple decades, and and I'm thinking I'm going to get Dan the Pterodactyl Altieri to be able to crawl through all of the cobwebs that are all over his wallet and be able to dip into there <laughs> to fork over 50 bucks so we can get a website. I've I've been known as a frugal son of a gun. And he says frugal? You guys know what I think. He's a cheap son of a gun. So, yeah, when uh when we go out to eat and Dan is buying,
1: um, he'll order, you guys can have anything off the dollar menu. He'll order a large water and three straws. <laughs> and
0: then he'll say, make sure you only,
1: share. O- yeah, only if they're only if they don't charge for the extra straws. So no we,
0: we are excited for the opportunity we have. We, we are, um, we believe that we're going to fill a niche that, um, exists. Um, and we're, we're just excited. Um, So please come back and join us. Tell your friends, share, um, the link, uh, to this podcast with other people. And we're really looking forward to, uh, to getting this, this ball rolling again. You can reach us at Facebook page octagon 24 seven. You can message us there. We will answer any questions on the air. We will be, uh, we will have a regular time that we, uh, release these podcasts and we'll let you know when that'll be as soon as possible looking forward to sharing this time with you thank you for joining us for our first podcast on behalf of the crew from octagon 24 7 and on behalf of mma fancast we thank you for joining us and god bless each and every one of you